0: When were the... What school's... (laughs) Who decides what the next...
1: Where's that story? Why they keep the loop... What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions... About Chicago, the region, and its people.
2: Hi, I'm reporter Sean Kennedy. This time on Curious City, we've got a question you've probably wondered. It's from Ravenswood resident R.C. Jones.
0: What determines the route of CTA... L train lines. Some of them seem to zigzag for no apparent reason.
2: RC commutes every day on the Brown Line, which stair steps from the loop to the northwest side.
0: If you're not sitting down and holding on, you could definitely fall over with all of the turns back and forth. If you're reading a newspaper or texting, you're gonna you're gonna eat it. This is something.
2: Think about the L map for a second and how the lines twist and turn and jog. You'd think nice straight lines would make more sense, right? faster more efficient after all three-quarters of a million people commute on L trains each day and you'd think they'd want nay demand the fastest route possible but it doesn't work that way So we're gonna learn how train lines got their kinks and hear some backstories by the time we hit the end of the line this will make sense for RC and hopefully you Thank you for riding the red We'll start with general patterns. I spoke to Graham Garfield, who both works for CTA and is a transit historian. Big point here, Garfield says the oldest l trains were built by private companies, and when they planned routes, they had two options. First, they could build over public streets, like they did in the loop. But that option required serious political clout, heavy-duty bribes, or both. The less nefarious option was to build on private land, but that made it hard to keep lines straight.
1: A straight line would have been a very expensive line because uh, you would have had to buy up far more property since you're hitting the property lines at an angle. Okay, picture that. A train going diagonally
2: through a block would need to buy almost all the lots on that block. Much cheaper to bend lines through the alleys. Alleys cost less and require less demolition. Perfect example? The north side's Sheridan Red Line stop. Why the harsh corners? Because planners had to jump from one alley to another. Counter example, the northwest side's blue line runs straight, diagonally to the grid, because they bought all the alley space next to Milwaukee Avenue. That alley space was straight and continuous. Here's the big principle. Train lines follow the path of least financial resistance. So when you notice a CTA zigzag, Garfield says there's a simple reason. Property. Just, Just property. Sometimes it's about buying new property... Other times it's about property already acquired by hundred year old freight lines. We can't go through all the kinks, but here are a few. This
0: is a brown line trail to
2: RC and I ride past our new favorite kink on the Brown Line near Division Street.
0: Yeah, there's another weird curve. Why? That makes no sense. What is it? look around? Do you think we're going around anything? Well we went around a park. We went around we're going around some kind of oh 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 we're going past a church. Yep.
2: When the Brown Line was plotted in the 1890s, the then-owners, the Northwest Elevated Railroad Company, acquired a beautiful, mile-long stretch of almost empty alleyway land next to Orleans Street. There was one obstacle. The route would take it right into the back end of St. Joseph's Church. If they wanted to continue straight, they'd have to take the church to court, have it condemned, and tear it down. Probably not great juju. Plus, you want parishioners to ride your train line, not boycott it. So they bought land off the church, a narrow strip around the back. Legend is that the Northwestern
0: Elevated secured that strip in exchange for a new pipe organ and a marble altar. All right, well, we can't hardly have a train running through the middle of a church or knock a church down. All right, I'll buy that. That makes sense. Brown line mystery solved.
2: Let's look at the Orange Line on the city's southwest side. It connects the loop to Midway Airport. Again, historian Graham Garfield.
1: It's sort of an interesting modern spin on the same issue that the original L companies had. The Orange Line was built in the 90s, long after
2: the CTA took over the L. It runs mostly straight, except the track crosses Western Avenue three times. In the 80s, money for a train line to Midway was held up by a federal requirement that Chicago keep back funds in case of cost overruns. So Democratic Congressman Bill Lipinski voted against his party to arm Nicaraguan Contras. President Ronald Reagan showed his gratitude by waiving the requirement. Classic quid pro quo. CTA planners had their pool of money.
1: What did they do? Could they have taken a uh, some additional property and maybe kept the line entirely east of Western? Yes, but they would have had to take any number of different individual private pieces of property, had to probably demolish um, several buildings. So the CTA did what its forebears did a 100 years earlier.
2: They stitched together old freight lines. That is, they went to the playbook we talked about, find the path of least financial resistance, kinks and all, even when the president of the United States is involved. The biggest CTA kink is one you probably don't think of as a kink. The loop. One big circle where five train lines come together, sharing only two tracks with eight stations, Trains and passengers constantly wait for other trains to get out of the way. Garfield says if the Loop were built today, it would be a giant subway station and each line would have its own track.
1: By the same token, you know, the Loop has become an iconic part of Chicago. It's deemed eligible for the National Register of Historic Places. I don't think it's going anywhere now.
2: Transit systems can build straighter lines. The Washington, D.C. metro lines are underground and plenty straight. But the metro is one of the most expensive infrastructure projects in American history. And fares are steep. So while Chicago got a less ideal system, we got one we could afford. The CTA tries to remedy kinks when it can. They smoothed out sharp curves on the Green Line at Harrison and Wabash in the early 2000s.
1: But that's not cheap because of the way the city has evolved. Just as a vine grows on a building or around a tree and just forms itself around the you know, metaphorically unmovable force, so does urban development sort of wrap itself around the train. So, what does RC, our question asker, think of all this?
0: Oh, yeah, I can, I can give the Brown Line more credit now that I know its twists and turns are not completely arbitrary. So, next time you spill your coffee
2: on a sharp curve, at least you know it's nothing personal. Seriously, it's nothing personal. <laughs> Reporting for this story came from me, Sean Kennedy. Support for Curious City comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Special thanks on this story to David Harrison, Dennis McClendon, and Joe Sweeterman. Also, Peter Alter and his team at the Chicago History Museum. And check out our website for more stories about CTA kinks. Oh, and one more thing. The Curious City podcast is taking a summer vacation for a couple of weeks. But don't worry, we'll be back in July with stories about Chicago's mystery buildings, the exact center of the city, and the people displaced by the Eisenhower Expressway. Curious City is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been following their curiosity and have been committed to brewing beers for Chicago that are celebrated worldwide by beer critics and beer lovers alike. More at GooseIsland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink.
1: We just want to be the best you drink.
0: Wow. I know I've said interesting a hundred times, but it is very interesting. I'm very satisfied with this answer. Good.